Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Friends, open your Bibles if you would, or pull the Bible out of the pew rack in front of you as we look in the book of Hebrews again this morning, looking at Hebrews 5.11 into the next chapter, chapter 6 at verse 3. And as we open these words of Scripture, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, as we flip through these pages, looking over these words, each one of us, Lord, has come to this place and this time with a need, with a question, with an openness, with a desire. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit to receive your word implanted within us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews 5, 11 to 6, 3, hear the word of the Lord. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore... Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. We are grateful for the word of God. Amen. Faith kills thinking. Really? Really? Driving in the other day, I I got behind a Jeep that had a a tire cover on the spare, and the cover said that saying, not all who wander are lost. Was that you? Is that your Jeep? (laughs) And I I have to confess something. I have to admit, I've, I've taken that saying as kind of a, an affront. I've taken it as, as sort of an insult to, to, to Christianity, uh, as though someone were saying, look, you people who, who commit to religious beliefs, you people who you know, commit to these, this particular path, who, who commit to these beliefs and you you're pledge yourself to them, you're too narrow-minded, you're too judgmental. Wandering is fine. Lostness is fine. I'm a wanderer, but don't you call me lost. I wish you church people would just go away. This is all inside my own head. And maybe that is what what some people mean by it. I'm not sure. So I thought, I looked at it, I thought, I I assumed that it was written by uh, John Weir or Audubon or some some other naturalist, and I thought to myself, I thought, uh, you know, come on now. What, What... 
what backcountry outdoorsman, what adventurer would ever launch on some track into the woods with no map, no compass, no GPS, no plan, not telling anyone else where they're going, no supplies. No one would ever do that. Not all who wander are lost. Phooey. <laughs> and then I looked it up. It's actually from a poem that was written by J.R.R. Tolkien a Christian uh, allegorist in, in, the, in the book, The Lord of the Rings, a committed Christian man uh, who, who wrote this, this poem, uh, to make the point that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and not, is, not all is at is a, as, as it appears on the face of it. All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. The point in the story was that Aragorn, who was something of a chump at that moment, was going to become the king. And you could believe that God has more planned than we see. So, <laughs> I really shouldn't have cut that guy off like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're trying to learn how to engage in conversations that matter. How to engage in these thoughtful conversations with people that, that may have questions or may oppose or may come from a different perspective uh, than we come from about the Christian faith and it isn't always easy. And we get defensive. We assume the worst sometimes about the person that we're talking to instead of assuming the best and giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. We get aggravated at someone else's spiritual posture sometimes before we even really truly know where they are spiritually. We need to learn how to be more like Jesus with this stuff. 1 Peter 3.15 is our guide but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, with Christ within you as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer. Don't walk away from these holy conversations because they may be difficult, but be ready, be prepared to give a reply to the questions, a reasonable defense, a thoughtful response to explain the hope that is in you. And always, always, always with gentleness and respect. So we've asked about God, isn't God something we just made up on our own? We've asked about the Bible. Why do people, why do you Christians give so much authority, vest so much authority in this one uh, ancient book? And today we, we take up something that I think is a pretty tough one. This is a pretty large question to wrap our minds around. It's the idea, faith kills thinking and crushes creativity. It's that idea that, that to commit to faith is to check your brains at the door and walk in to have some subjective emotional experience. Well, here's where we're going to, to try to get this morning. Every painting needs a canvas and a frame. Every idea needs a language and a grammar to carry it along. Deep commitments of belief 
provide that language, grammar, canvas, frame. Deep commitments of belief don't end thinking. They begin thinking and spawn creativity. You might think that following Jesus narrows your mind, but I'm telling you, a step toward Jesus blows your horizons open. Faith doesn't kill thinking. It kicks it off. Let's try to understand the argument. Faith kills thinking. Once you submit, someone would say, to a a set of predetermined religious beliefs, you stop thinking. Your creativity dies. You become a a zombie repeating other people's mantras. Christian doctrine is a straitjacket for your brain. I think a lot of people steer clear of the church. They steer clear of, of Christianity. They steer clear of Jesus, believing that they have to check their brains at the door as they enter in. And not just the left brain, the the intellectual, you know, rational argument side of the brain, but the right brain, the creative side. You check the whole brain, you check the whole thing in at the door, and then you, you know, you sit down, you look at your claim ticket, and you can't remember why you have the claim ticket, you know, because you checked your brain at the... (laughs) These people are so patient. (laughs) But you know, uh, it's understandable from the time that we're in kindergarten, from the time that we're little ones, we're, we're kind of taught that our primary task is self-definition. Your big job is to figure out who you are. What, what do you like, uh, little Temmy? What, what do you like to do? What do you, what do you like to dream about? Uh, who are you going to be? What do you like, what do you want to, to believe? It's your primary task. It's your primary job. So it's easy to see how a non-believer can look at a a follower of Jesus and think, really, that you have abdicated your most sacred duty. You You have walked away, you've given up your responsibility of defining yourself and handed the keys to another. You see how in their mind it's almost criminal what you've done to submit your, your life to a faith that has come down to you, you see. But listen now. Faith isn't supposed to be the end of thinking. Faith drives us to seek understanding. Now, you can, you can study this on your own, dig this up, think about this, talk about it in your life groups, but I believe every system of thought begins with faith commitments. Faith always underlies thinking in any serious way. You have to believe first to pursue an argument. The theorem is presented and then the experiments are constructed to test it. You you think about that on your own and see what you come back with. But listen, Jesus doesn't want us to stop thinking. Jesus doesn't intend to, to narrow off your mind and to stop your creative processes. A step toward Jesus will blow your horizons open. Let's look at our passage. Our passage in Hebrews comes to a moment where there's frustration. The people who are are reading this 
sermon, Hebrews is kind of a sermon written and sent from afar, the people reading this sermon are, are taking it on the chin because they are not thinking, because they are not growing intellectually. They have stopped learning. I find vice, verse 11 very convicting. It says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you. Why? Because you no longer try to understand. You're not even trying anymore, it says. And the this that they want to say much more about is, is Jesus. It's about how Jesus is our high priest and, and how he completed his sacrificial work on the cross to, to bring God to us and to bring us to God, to bring us home into the rest of God, the kingdom of God, the eternal life of God. That's the this that, that Hebrews has more to say about that we're not going to be able to get to because you've stopped trying. You've stopped trying to understand. You've stopped learning. You stopped growing. You were never supposed to stop thinking. You're never supposed to stop learning. No one ever said to check in your brains at the door. And now I can't teach you more, says Hebrews, because you refuse to grow adept at the basics. You were never supposed to stop thinking once you started believing. Now, it would help us to say a word about context here. Who were these people reading this letter? What did they give up on? How did they come to this place where they seem to have, to have stopped? But that's hard to do. It's hard to, to give some context because we can't quite place this writing in its context. Uh, the early tradition of, of Hebrews held that this, this book was a sermon written by Paul in Hebrew and later translated by another which into Greek, which accounts for some of the strangeness in the language, but, but Paul is not in the text by name and it doesn't have an introduction like all others of Paul's letters have and the church really isn't sure in the end who wrote it. But this passage sounds a lot like Paul to me. But what is clear is that the people receiving this letter are a group of new Jewish believers in Jesus, a group of, of Jewish folks who, who, uh, who were living in some city far from Jerusalem and who came to faith in Christ and are now trying to figure out what do we leave behind and what do we continue on with in our new faith in Jesus. And just like Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, these folks are stuck. They're stuck on the, on the milk of it. They're not moving past the, the infancy stage. Spiritually, they can't move past the basics because they still want to be spoon-fed the baby food. And as long as you just want to be spoon-fed, you, you can never take on the meat of spiritual maturity. They were never supposed to stop thinking, you see. And then we get an outline of the basics. Uh, the, the, the writer says, we want to move on past this stuff. Uh, we want to move on past the elementary school stage of the Christian faith. We want to move beyond this. Everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten, right? And so we want to know that, that we've got that and now we're going to, to move on. But it's worth asking, do we have the basics down? So we get a list of the basics. 6, 1 and 2. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward 
to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. Repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. These are the, we get the elements now. Repentance, faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are the basics. So what are they? Let's run through them. Repentance. Turning. Turning away from wrong patterns and toward healthy patterns. Turning around in your mind in your life. For these folks, it was about turning away from empty religious rituals that were really leading them into a deadness of spirit and taking on new practices of worship and of faith. Turning around. We have to learn how to stop trying to earn our way into God's grace by our actions and receive God's grace by Christ's actions. Amen? Repentance. Repentance. Faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We put our hope, our trust, our whole being, we rest in the faith that we put in Jesus Christ. Baptism. That's the the cleansing rites that are mentioned here. The cleansing rites. Baptism. We enter this new life through the waters of baptism. A very beginning of faith. Laying on of hands. Well, this is how we pray for one another, for healing. But you know what else? It's also how we pray to commit one another into the work that God has given us to do. Do we know how to pray for one another in our places of need? And do we know how to, to commission one another into our vocations uh, under God? Laying on of hands. Resurrection. Listen, without the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Our faith is in vain. If You have to accept that. If we find the bones of Jesus, we shut all of this down. Does everybody get that? We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Now, do we live as those who follow Christ, the conqueror of death? And lastly, eternal judgment. Many Christians prefer a teaching that excludes this, but it is elementary to the Christian faith. Christ will come again. Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. We don't, notice who's the subject of that. We don't judge, but Christ will come and he will judge the living and the dead. And on that day, all judgments will be conferred. All justice will be meted out. There will be a day of judgment. These are the basics. From here, we don't stop thinking. From here, we start thinking. Now, your your conversation partner feels like if you accept those things, you have given up your responsibility. But I say to you, you've just begun. A step toward Jesus and faith won't leave your mind behind It will blow open your horizons and you will start thinking more than you ever have. I've been digging into some stuff this week uh, by Jonathan Edwards. You might not think much of Jonathan Edwards because you were made to read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God when you were in high school and you thought, I don't need much of this guy. But Edwards was a genius, absolute genius. 
a reader of, of Locke and the Enlightenment thinkers and, uh, and of, of John Calvin and, and Augustine, and I was reading in some of his works, and if I was understanding what I was reading, which is a big if, but what I understood Edwards to be saying is that we can get easily stuck in a trinity of the self. Me, the holy trinity of me, myself, and I. I know myself. I love myself. I am myself. But this trinity is very unsatisfying (laughs) because what I am is, is imperfect and what I know of myself is incomplete and I have a hard time loving myself because I find within myself qualities that are unlovable. But when the Holy Spirit enters that system, it breaks open. Now I see something truly worth loving, truly worth knowing, truly worth being. I see God in his holiness, in his glory, in his perfection, in his beauty, in this trinity of the self. It breaks open. What's the point? The skeptic says, I don't want to follow Jesus because I don't want my mind to grow small. Friends, what I'm saying is, I'm worried that you will never escape the tiny workshop of yourself until you let God open the window and blow in His Holy Spirit. Faith doesn't kill thinking. Faith starts a new adventure. It begins an endless adventure of intellect and creativity when Jesus found Nathanael sitting under a fig tree engaged in the small contemplation of his circumscribed life. Jesus said, hey buddy, get up, let's go. He said, look. And Nathanael looked up and saw Jesus and said to him, and Jesus said to him, you believe now because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's so much more to see when you get up and you turn to Jesus, when you take one step and he blows your horizons open. I sit with young couples who've fallen in love and are getting married and I say to them, your love has, has brought you together, has brought you face to face. Now if you don't turn to Jesus and start walking shoulder to shoulder, I'm telling you this is over. It's over. Because you can only stare at one another face to face for so long. Is there an amen out there? (laughs) But when you turn to Jesus, oh, your horizons break open and you're walking side by side on an endless adventure of faith. Faith doesn't kill thinking. Christian doctrine is not a straitjacket. If you checked your brains at the door, please pick them up. <laughs> Don't leave them behind. You were never meant to stop thinking. Do we commit to core beliefs? You bet we do. Oh, absolutely. But these doctrines only serve to launch our minds and creative juices like the canvas for the artist, like the grammar for the poet. So then, 
Imagine, friends, a community committed to curiosity, committed to growth, committed to digging in deeper to the life of the mind. What, did, what would it look like if every one of us got up like Nathaniel from under the tiny fig tree and stepped toward Jesus to see what he wants to open up for our minds and for our creative spirits? What if we got solid on the elementary stuff and dug into the thicker things of faith? Listen, maybe our friends who are skeptical They would look at us a little bit differently because you know what, maybe they look at us and maybe they see that some of us, like the Hebrews in receiving this letter, we've stopped trying. We've stopped trying to understand. They see we've stopped growing. We've stopped getting getting deeper. We've given up. Faith doesn't kill thinking, but laziness, laziness does. What if we were committed to curiosity? What if we were deeply committed to walking into the deeper things? What if we were devoted to learning more and more, a passionate pursuit of the love and the knowledge of God? That might change, that might turn the tide and reveal to the questioner and to the skeptic the kind of adventure of the mind Jesus always intended. Let's pray. Lord, you draw us close to you and the closer we get, the more we realize that we are on an ever-deepening, an ever-expanding path. Lord, we walk through the narrow gate believing in you, the way, the truth, the life. We, We bring every thought captive to your truth. And in doing that, Lord, our minds explode open with new vistas, new horizons of beauty, new colors, new truth, and everything opens up. Lord, help us to dig deeper, to to cultivate curiosity in our own spirits, to take another step toward you. And Lord, help us in our conversations with those who believe that we've closed our minds to show them the openness and the joy of following you in an endless adventure of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.